This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. As a marketing communication, it should not be taken as investment advice, personal recommendation, or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material is being prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation. We make no representation and assume no liability as to the accuracy or completeness of the content of this communication, which is being prepared using publicly available information. Your capital is at risk. The value of investments can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than invested. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome to the official Million Dollar Traders podcast. I'm James Halliwell, and joining me today, of course, is Lex Van Dam. And our special guest this week, Hugo Menenti, is one of the top performing popular investors on eToro and a million dollar trader in his own right. So Hugo, welcome to the show. How are things? Thank you, James. Well, excited to, to be here and speaking with you guys. Um, I've, I've been you know, following the show and uh, it's pretty great to be, to be a guest here. Great to have you on. I know um, I reached out to you, when was it? Probably a couple of weeks ago um, when I think I'd seen you just uh, started on Twitter with your, uh, your popular investor accounts and uh, things on eToro I've been keeping an eye on myself over the past few months. And it was actually um, what you've done in the past few months that inspired me to get involved there as a popular investor. So you've done phenomenally well. I think for anybody who hasn't yet seen your, uh, your status there, uh, for those people listening and watching here for the first time, You've uh, started, was it just over 12 months ago? And you're managing now over $20 million or something on there? Yeah, correct. It's been, it's been pretty insane. I started in, in March last year, so right where the markets were at the bottom, um, which is lucky, but also, you know, intentional. Um, and yeah, it went very fast from there. I mean, at the beginning, I did it for myself and to manage family money. And, you know, the sort of like social aspect of things started kicking in, you know, exchanging with people, people following you. And all of a sudden you get maybe 50 followers, uh, 50 copiers. And so, you know, why not become a VI? And then a bit of, a bit of luck, a bit of good, good trading performance, a bit of promotion from eToro and, and boom, 10,000 10, copiers. Happens really, really fast. Amazing. Amazing. You can see the curve, can't you, on the profile? I don't know, Lex, if you've uh, seen yet the... Uh... The curve, but you've got to, as you say, over ten thousand copiers in basically a year, um, yeah. which is is incredible. I'm I'm just approaching my first one hundred, um, and you can probably remember how that feels when you are just mm. starting out. When you see it go up one or two, it feels amazing, but uh, yeah, <laughs> not quite the same as seeing ten or eleven thousand just yet. Yeah. So so you you go. Uh, congratulations, uh, amazing performance. Um, one question is 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 it does it become harder to trade when you know there's like ten thousand people watching you than you know when you had like your first ten or twenty? Is, is has has anything changed in in sort of like the pressure that that you that you feel when when you're doing a, when you're doing a trade? You you think about things twice. I mean, I would say, you know. As soon as you start managing other people's money, you you become more careful. I think, especially in terms of risk management, and you know whether you have ten people copying you or ten thousand doesn't really make a difference. You you do it the same way. Um, but certainly, things that I used to do when it was my own account and and it was only you know my girlfriend copying me, um, I wouldn't do them again. You know, um, 
trading Bitcoin, okay. for instance, or, or shorting the markets um, more, I would say, aggressively. So I think it, it kind of changes your approach to risk, to risk management a little bit. But apart from that, you know, you want to stay the same. You know, what's, what's given you good performance in the past, if you start getting scared and changing that, then, you know, you're not going to be able to replicate that good performance. So essentially, you're stressed, but you need to be the same. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, great. And and but you used to work for for Richard Branson as well, right? And 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 I'm sure, like working in an environment like that, you know, you'll have a you know have a lot of pressure as well. So 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 you you're probably quite used to people analyzing everything you do, and and I don't want to necessarily say give you a hard time, but just just making sure that you you've done your research. Um, and so do you find like this doing your research? Um, is, is, is how, how important is, is, is the research as part of your, of, of your process? Yeah, it's, it's super important. It's really fundamental. I mean, my, my background is in you know, corporate finance and private equity investment. So it's all about the fundamentals of a company, evaluations, um, you know, market analysis, research. That, that's really my background. So I think that's completely core to my, to my investment process. You know, I, may, I may have maybe 20% of the portfolio, which is a little bit more so speculative. Like I would trade based on sentiment, um, you know, technical analysis, but really 80% of my portfolio is, is like based on heavy fundamental research and, and you know, long-term investment kind of buy and hold. I get that, Hugo, as well. Share many similarities, I think, there. In terms of the, um, the tactical element or the more speculative element in your portfolio, the 20% roughly, mm. one of the, uh, the fantastic trades which I've seen you take and very few others take on, uh, on eToro was uh, last month, was it around the 7th of May? There or thereabouts, I think, uh, roughly. Your timing going into or returning to some of the, as I call them, the momentum trades in, um, I think you had Enphase, uh, was it Sunrun, also Plug Power? And their plug was up about 13% yesterday as well. Yeah. You produced some phenomenal results there. So having that tactical element, how do you ultimately determine the timing of that you've mentioned sentiment but do you look at macro themes as well so for example the bond market reflation which has been the main topic this year in engaging whether or not those correlated trades are likely to come under pressure or maybe see a rebound tell me through that yeah i do i do look at the bond market i, I had the feeling in in middle of may that maybe the reflation trade had gone a little bit too far and i was quite exposed to that um, you do a little bit of analysis of the bond market. You look at that sentiment. You look at where the money is flowing, um, and I think you know some of the mom those momentum trades also had solid fundamentals. You know, like Enphase, for instance. I, I like Enphase a lot. It's a profitable company, a growing market, a leader in that market. Uh, those are like solid long-term fundamentals. Obviously, at 250 per share, I don't like it so much. But when it goes down to 100, then I start looking at it again. So. I say I wouldn't make momentum trades based on solely momentum. I think I need to see strong fundamentals still. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit of everything I said and, and you said in terms of looking at momentum. And, and on top of that, you have a layer of um, Elliott wave analysis that, okay. that actually works pretty well for me. Okay, interesting. And for, for those of you who are listening on the, uh, on the podcast, whether it be Spotify or elsewhere, rather than uh, watching on YouTube, if you don't have the, uh, the chart in front of you, I've just got it to the screen here to the other side. That was plug actually to pull up Enphase. 
uh, which uh, traded uh, strongly yesterday. Yeah, you were looking at 110 back in May, and it was mm. roughly the 10th when it bottomed, and it's now up at 167. So you've done like over 50, 60% return there in that position mm. in, uh, in a couple of months. Mm. That's really, I think, yeah, it shows what a great trade that was and, and mm. how you really timed the scene. So in terms of the, the core portfolio, Lex, is there um, something you want to understand in terms of what you think people could learn from in terms of how you um, go through the idea generation process for maybe your longer term holdings? Because I know that's something that Lex and I look at from the perspective of what we call the five steps uh, in, in sort of our trading process or idea generation process. How do you ultimately look at the uh, look at the world and then determine what you want to hold maybe longer term in your 80% portfolio? Yeah, um, I, I said to both top down and, and bottom up. I think top down is I have my themes that I believe in, you know, digital transformation, investments into infrastructure, um, and, and green energy, for instance, are like two of those themes. And so you kind of try to look, okay, where is the world going? And so where do I need to put my money? Um, still, you know, everyone believes in green energy. So you, you still need to have a sort of differentiated view if you want to start investing, because if your view is consensus, then you're going to get market returns, not, not, not better than that. Um, so it's like looking at the world and, and trying to see where you have a sort of different, slightly different angle, for instance. Um, and I've been much more bullish on semiconductors or green energy than, than most people have, and I, I, and I still am. Um, and that's why I'm still holding them. Um, and so you sort of drill down from sort of like macro trends to industry to company. Um, and then there's the sort of like more bottom-up approach where you see things around you or people tell you about things. And so you hear, you know, you hear of that great product or that great company. Um, and so you look at the company and then you look at the market and then you, you look at how does that sort of fit into the sort of like macro where the world is going. Um, and so I sort of like combine those two, those two approaches. Sure. So of the, of the 36 holdings that I can see you have on uh, in your portfolio on eToro, if there could only be one, and I know that's a tough question, if there could only be one that you'd hold for the next year or next five years, who would it be? Um, as of today, I would say Taylor Morrison. Really? It's a, it's a US home builder. And I think I have a fairly differentiated view on home building in the US. I think the demographic trend is really interesting there have millennium millennials coming of age they don't have homes they're starting to get to have money and there's no homes in the market you know there's just no new homes there's no inventory nothing so what has to happen in the next five years is that you know home builders will need to build a lot of homes and will need to sell them at really good prices because the market is, is really hot um and i think you know taylor morrison is valued at like five or six times this year's earnings, and I think earnings are going, to, are going to grow from there. And I think multiples is, is are going to expand quite quite fast. So that's a, a three, four times returns over five years easily. Interesting, interesting. I've heard of the the whole uh, bull narrative around household formation in the U.S. with millennials eventually getting onto the ladder, or increasingly mm -hmm. doing so, and then starting families later, increasing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, then consumption follows. Lex, you've you've presumably heard. Uh, a few things uh, around that narrative. What, what's your take on uh, on the millennials gearing up and getting onto the housing ladder in the US? Do you think that's a, a long-term bull theme or do you think 
you think it's maybe a bit uh, a bit consensus? Okay. Yeah. First of all, I need to apologise for the, for the the lightning uh, the lighting behind me. Um, I, I, I'm not that, that visible. Um, this might not be such a bad thing anyway. Um, what, what what I was thinking first though. Um, before I give my opinion on, on, on housing was how interesting it is that you, 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 you're based in Barcelona and that's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that makes it so fascinating that you, know, you don't need to be in London or Frankfurt or Paris. I mean, obviously Barcelona is, is, is a big city, but what it shows to me is that you can kind of be based anywhere. Um, you have the access to a lot of the information and you know you're trying to differentiate yourself um, by thinking differently, and you know it might even be an advantage that you're away from all the yeah the the noise. Um, have, you used to live before. You were in London before. Is that how it was? And then you moved to Barcelona, and yeah. That's correct. I spent I spent almost six years in London, and it's exactly as you say. I think you get a lot of network, you get a lot of knowledge there, relationships, but you risk sometimes getting into a sort of group think of people looking and, and thinking alike. Um, it's a bit of a danger sometimes. Okay, and, and, and so, so, so how, how and, and I'll go back to my view on home building maybe later. Um, <laughs> so so how, 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 how important is, 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 is discipline for you? Because, you know, it's, I see you do, you do some training with like, like quite, well, some, some part of your portfolio is like that kind of high intensity training and, and, and the other stuff you, you, you keep longer term. But how, how, how easy is it to, you know, stick to your to your game plan and not, you know, sit bored behind your machine for like computer for like a few days and you think, actually, you know what, I, 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 like how hard is it to sit on your hands and, and, and how much how much of a disciplined guy are you? I would say very disciplined, maybe too disciplined. Actually, if I had been less disciplined last year, I would have I would have made better returns. Um, right, better than the ninety percent. Um, <laughs> yes, okay. I mean there are there are a lot of companies that I sold too early. You know, I went out, I got out of Tesla and Spotify, for instance, way way too early. Um, I went out of Apple way too early. Um, you know, just because I looked at the valuations and thought, oh, not for me anymore, and you know, and it tripled from there. Um, okay. So, so I would say I would say sometimes too disciplined rather than, than not enough. Um, it comes back, well, I think, to my. Sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I so say it comes back to my training. Really, I mean, I started in MA investment banking, and it's all about discipline. You know, you you do your slides and you look at it, and there can't be any typo. You know, you have an eighty-page deck, and there can't be any typo, and all the valuations need to be okay, and the multiples okay, footnoted. You know, everything. Um, and probably the same, you know, when you when you get in with an investment memo, it needs to be really really tight, you know, really strong. So, um, but, but that, that, that's as much, I, I guess, that's as much attention for detail yeah. as it is discipline, right? So, so just so so you 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 put you put a lot of hours in, I guess, before you exactly. execute a trade, right? It's not it's not like oh you you read a news article and and oh yeah let's 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 go for these home builders, you know, no. you do. Proper, There's a lot of work. exactly a lot of modeling behind it and a lot of analyzing the, the market and you know every investment I made at least well maybe not the momentum's one but the fundamental core ones there's a there's a sort of five year financial forecast behind it. Okay, that's 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 pretty impressive. Um, and 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 do you feel that 
that attention to detail is has then made the difference, or do you think it's it's you you can have such a thing as you know over analytical and actually okay you learn something more but you know it doesn't really make the difference in in the in the end. Yeah, it, it, you know it, it's a bit of a trap. Uh, I I would agree with that. Uh, sometimes you get too bogged down into the details and then you lose that vision. So you need to kind of sometimes get your head out of the spreadsheet and, and you know, look at the world and look at the longer term. Um, it, so it, it, it's a bit of a danger. Try to not fall into that, that trap, but sometimes sometimes I do. And I think there are investments, like if, if I think, for instance, about a life financial in the US, that was like a spreadsheet investment. You know, I looked at the numbers, the hard numbers and the fundamentals and the market, and I made that call that the stock was going to double or triple. Um, it's not really an investment that I would have made based on my reading of the world, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I think it's good for the people who, who are copying you that they, you know, that they understand as well that, you know, some trades maybe they could have found themselves, but there's like, you know, large part of your portfolio where you did do that hard work, where you did, you know, do your spreadsheets and, and your deep fundamental analysis. Mm. Um, because obviously, like for people who just only do technical analysis, look at the charts, anyone can do kind of quickly, um, you mm. know, and come to probably a similar conclusion. But what you do is, is, is uh, you know, something that, like I said, pe people can't really do. And, and you know, there'd be the advantage of fo following you, right, mm. to get that, um, yeah, to get that in that portfolio. So different mm. question also for James, maybe. So, so of, of, of the, 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 top, uh, the top traders, who, um, how much is, is pure technical, how much pure fundamental, how much is like combination? How, 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 what, what do the best people do on average on, on the platform? I think there's, uh, and, and Hugo may be better qualified to uh, answer this question as he's been around for slightly longer than I have and is on a level uh, above me, considerably above me at the moment. Um, I think from what I've observed, there is always going to be at least a combination of fundamentals and technicals, because I think everybody looks at the charts. Um, I think many of the popular investors or many users on eToro look at charts a lot more than they perhaps do fundamentals. Um, and it still works for some people, but there clearly are exceptions to the rule. So in our first uh, episode, we last time around, we, um, we, we chatted with Jay and it was clear that his depth of knowledge in some of the some particular industries and stocks is, is just, you know, on another level compared to probably your average uh, trader or investor on eToro. Um, but no doubt we all look at, at technicals as well. And clearly, Hugo, as well, from what you've uh, explained behind your process, I, I'd be surprised if there's anybody really on there, although, you know, you may have better knowledge than I do, um, if there's anybody else out there who's really doing the sort of modeling and, and forecasting and analysis on the fundamental side that you are, before then maybe looking at the charts. So um, that, that's probably my take. Hugo, what do you uh, what, what do you make of it all? Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think if you look at the top guys on eToro, I think there's a deep fundamental underpinning behind sort of what they do. If you look at Jay, if you look at Yepa or, or Wesley, those are all people who, who know their stuff really well and, and they know the sectors they invest in really, really deeply. Do they, do they have five-year spreadsheets and do they spend hours and hours and hours researching every specific investment? I, I don't know, but they, they surely know their stuff. And so I think 
you know, most of the returns and the ad performance that, that these guys get is, is from the fundamental knowledge. And then technical is maybe the sort of like extra kick that they get. I, I know, for instance, Jay does a lot of swing trading. He does it really well, and that probably adds a, a little kick to it, but that, that's just what it is, a, a little kick. You know, the, the, the basis is fundamental. It's interesting. I, I think as well, Lex, just to, to add to that response is, um, from observations, I think a lot of it can be quite news-driven as well, not in terms of day trading economic data in, in, in that sense, news releases, um, but I think that's something which perhaps um, leads to the risk of groupthink, which is something which we, you, you were discussing earlier. Then around geographically where you, you are located, maybe in the city of London. But I think on eToro, it's a, whilst it's online, it's a community in itself and quite a strong one. So I think just in the same way as perhaps uh, FinTwit or um, Financial Twitter, various other platforms as a financial community, I think it can be quite tribal and it's, it's quite easy even online to be reading similar stories and uh, buy into a similar narrative all at the mm -hmm. same time, whether it be around solar energy or... Um, a particular theme or the Fed or whatever else. And I would, I would balance what we've, we've just said around the combination of fundamentals and technicals and people really understanding the companies, but also I think there are a lot of people and from time to time, I'm probably guilty of this as well, um, being driven by, uh, by news flows. And this year has been a real learning, I think, for a lot of people. It should be um, if, if you've survived or been able to survive um, because there's no way that you've been able to ignore the, uh, the macro and what else is happening in the world and themes and sentiment shifts compared to, say, last year or last couple of years. And I know last year, 2020, was, uh, was, a, was an exceptional anomaly of a year. Um, but we went from, I think, the, the stay-at-home trade, which everybody was in, to all of a sudden in kind of January, February time this year, or I suppose it began topping out in November, December, but January, February this year, when also then growth and momentum started taking a, a, a beating, um, we, we've seen big rotations. And I know how, how easy it is to be sort of pulled in one direction with the narrative. And as we identified earlier, Hugo, understanding when to sometimes go against the, the consensus when things have got to a sufficient extreme without, of course, getting absolutely steamrolled by stepping out in front of a, an 18-wheeler. Um, mm. It's a fine balance. So mm. fundamentals, technicals, but I think the platform is a bit prone, like any other community or bubble, to, to sort of a bit of groupthink around the news and, and what's coming out. Mm. Uh, yeah, my, my I agree with on, that. My, my view on the uh, home building is that, and I, I mean, think about it a little bit, so when you think about sort of like general money flows, everybody's always looking at, at the interest rates, obviously the Fed and then everybody else and say, rates go up, you know, we need to sell everything because money is more expensive, you know, might, might be right, might be wrong. But I think for home building, what it made me think is that it's not just government interest rates, it's government spending. And if you can be on the right side of government spending, and, and, and you mentioned infrastructure before, if you know there's literally trillions going into infrastructure in, in Europe or energy transition, or, and I don't know how much money is being spent by the government in home building in the US, I'm not sure about that. But I think if, 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 um, if you wanna have sort of like a similar edge, you know, to, to, to analyze those kind of numbers might be, uh, you know, might, might be worth, worthwhile. Um, but it sounds like you, you do that anyway. You know, you, you seem to wanna be on the right side of government uh, 
that stuff that's something you look at yeah yuga yeah I, yeah i i do and i think um i i sort of like sort of made that bet back in april may that government stimulus was going to be probably bigger than than at any time before because of the pandemic and because of the sort of the social mood has shifted on that like austerity is just really it's not really a, an option anymore for governments uh, especially in europe but also in the us i think the sort of social consensus is on more government spending more government protection um and that's gonna that's gonna stay for a little while i think and and covid has, has been a sort of like perfect excuse for governments to you know spend more and, and and do more in terms of infrastructure in terms of healthcare, of course um and you know that's something that you want to be behind not against in terms of, of trading so hugo i guess lex unless there's anything else that you wanted to uh, to cover off we'll, we'll probably bring things towards a conclusion now but just before we do um hugo if you could go back 18 months 12 to 18 months when you were just starting out you mentioned your first copier um in in my case my first copier was also my girlfriend not yours <laughs> it was my girlfriend mm -hmm. too um what would you uh, what would you uh, what would you say you've you've learned if you could go back and just tell yourself you know do this do that don't worry about this so much here's here's, here's where you're going to end up what would it be yeah one um, diamond hands you know it's a bit of a joke but really I should have held on to some positions for longer and that's related to the second point which is you need to understand the mood of the market. You need to understand sentiment. And looking at the Toro feed is a great way to do that, actually. You look at what people are investing behind, what people are thinking, you look at the mood. Um, and that's a, a good indication of you know, where the, the market might be going for at least certain stocks. So I think that's, that's the learning is, um, you know, look a little more at the feed, look a little bit of what people are doing and thinking and saying and uh, don't sell too fast. I like that. I think that's a great way to end it. Lex, is there anything else you wanted to, uh, you wanted to cover off? Or likewise, no. you wanted to ask, ask us? No, not really. I think it's, it's like, again, it's super impressive what you've done. Uh, also like, you know, long only, no leverage. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the way you, you, you go about building the portfolio and the work you do. And yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, no surprise you've done so well. So congratulations. Well, thank you. So I suppose we can just wrap up with a little uh, shout out or reference then. So for any of you who are interested in checking out the uh, the profile of Mr. Manenti and, uh, and and his performance and whether or not you wish to copy him there, uh, of course, is your call. You can check that out on eToro. Uh, is it uh, Hugo Manenti? If they just search for your name, they'll, they'll find your profile, Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, we'll leave a little yeah. link at the bottom and you can see the 21% uh, year to date versus what's the S&P about 13 and a half, I think. As it stands, that's about that, yeah. Yeah, so smashing it again, doing really well. As, as like I said, no leverage, long only. That's off to you. So thank you for uh, thank you for your time, and uh, yeah, we'll wrap things up there. Well, thank you very thank much you. for hosting me. It's been a pleasure, and hope to do it again in the future. Thank you, Hugo. Thanks, James. Thank you. Bye. Bye.